Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's a great time to be in the house of God, isn't it? Amen. I'm so glad you're here. When you leave here today, be sure to put it on Facebook and tell everybody what they missed. Send out a tweet. I never am sure I've got that right. Send out a tweet or a Twitter, whichever it is. Tell everybody about it. Get on the phone and tell folks, you should have been there this morning. Don't miss the next time. It's getting better all the time. Praise God. Well, I'm excited about the message I have for you this morning, but I have to give you this first note. You know how on some packaging they put a disclaimer. It says warning, and then it gives whatever the disclaimer is. Consuming this product could be dangerous to your health. And most of you don't believe it, you go ahead and do it anyway. In fact, most of the time you don't even pay any attention to it. You see that big old warning with the skull and crossbones on it, you just go ahead and do it anyway. You just go ahead and swig it on down, or chew it up and swallow it. But I'm giving you a fair warning this morning. This is my disclaimer. Some of you will not believe what I'm going to preach this morning. And you're entitled to that. You don't have to believe anything I say this morning. That's your choice. But if you do accept it and believe it, God will honor it in your life, and God will bless you for it. Here's what's going to happen as I preach. Some of you are going to say, well, that's not my experience. Didn't work out that way for me. It's okay for you to say that, Pastor. And maybe it worked for you that way. Never has worked for me that way. And this, since it's never worked that way before, I'm really having trouble believing you today. Now, I'm not believing what I say today. It has nothing to do with whether you like me or not. If you don't believe what I tell you, I, I won't think that you have just decided that you don't like me and don't want to hear me anymore and you're going to give up on me forever. I, in fact, I won't even know if you, if you don't, unless you come up and tell me. You can do that, too, if you want to. But I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> And this is what I'm going to tell you. The ungodly are here to bless the godly. God allows ungodliness, or better yet, God uses the ungodly to bring blessings to the godly. I'm going to show you I believe how that is true. When I say the ungodly, I, I'm not talking about people that walk around with horns on the head and pitchforks and long red tails so that you know they're of the devil. I mean, I'm, I'm just talking about people who, who don't really know God. They don't live for God. They don't practice the Word of God. They, they're just not godly people. And if you were to go to most of them and say you're ungodly, they would take great exception to it. And probably so, because you'd be judging them if you did. But 
it is still true that God knows the righteous hearts and He knows the unrighteous hearts. And God is not limited, this I want you to understand, God is not limited to blessing you by the acts of godly people. God can use anybody, and sometimes, surprisingly, He does to bring blessing to you. That's what we call the favor of God. There are people who do good, kind, beneficial things for you, and they're not doing it necessarily to help you. They're doing it because God has started a progression in their hearts that causes them to want to do things, and they don't know why they want to do them. We know, if we believe God's Word, they want to do them because God chooses to bestow favor upon His people. Every person here who is a child of God is a favored individual. If you are God's child here today, you are favored. There's grace upon you. The Spirit of the Lord is real in your life. There's righteousness prevailing within you. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, now, now I thought I was saved until you started telling me what that meant. Now, <laughs> now you've got me confused. <laughs> I'm not sure I am now that you said all that. But friend, here's the thing about it. God can touch you right here, and I've seen people touched right here. Right here in this. I've seen people touched in miraculous ways. The power of God touch them. And within a week, they're not any different from what they were before. Now, is that God's fault? No, it's not God's fault. Because when God does something for you, you've got to walk in what He does. You can't just go on doing the same thing the same old way that you were doing it before. And say, oh, I think God, I think, I think, I think, I think, maybe God did something for me. No, you know He did, and you don't want to pay the price for walking in it. Because you see, when you do, when God does something for you and you step up and you go forward from that, that's when the grace of God begins to build. The favor of God begins to accumulate. The Spirit of the Lord increases. And God does more and more and more for you because you're walking in the light of what He's already done. There's a scripture. You know, if somebody just came up and said to me, and I didn't know it was in the Bible, I might not believe it. But it's right there. Proverbs 16, verse 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. See, I don't need him to tell me that as much as I need him to tell a few other people that. <laughs> I want to get this word spread in places where it is not known. <laughs> I already know it. And I know this is not an easy thing to believe. You may, you may say, well, that doesn't even affect me. I don't really have any enemy. 
You may have enemies that you don't even know. There are people who are your enemies, and you haven't designated them as such. You haven't got them in the right category yet. <laughs> there are people who want to do you harm. They do not want good things for you. Do not want favorable things in your life. In fact, if they could do it, if they had the power, the ability, and the authority to do it, there'd be a lot of things happening to you today that you wouldn't want to happen. Because they like to cause it to happen to you. So, you say, well, I didn't know that. You shouldn't have even told me that. No, you need to know it. <laughs> but here's the great thing about it. Whoever enemies, whatever enemies Satan has put up to try to obstruct your path in the walk with God, Whatever enemies he's raised up to deter you, whether they're at work or at school or in parts of your family or in your neighborhood, wherever they may be, if you will practice walking with him in his word, the Bible says, because this is what it says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. It doesn't mean that they're going to come up and grab you around the shoulders and say, Oh, you know, I used to hate you and now I love you. They may not even know they're your enemy any more than you know that they are. But what will happen is when they have an opportunity to do you something bad, as simple as it may be, when they've got a load of garbage and don't want to get it in the right place, they're willing to walk up to your back fence and throw it over in your yard. Take that as far as you want to, whatever kind of garbage they want to spread, whether it's by word of mouth or whether it's actual literal garbage or whatever it is. There's a way that God has of restricting that because God is your defender. God is your answer. You do not have to defend yourself. You don't have to stand up and fight your own battle. With the enemies that Satan raises up to bring against you in your life for God, there is one, there is one who is, stands up to challenge that opponent every time. And the challenger is the conqueror. The one who challenges that enemy is the Lord Jesus Christ, our champion. And he always is the victor. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to take this a step further. Now, some of you really won't like this. The people that you dislike the most are people that you ought to pray for. That's what Jesus said. Don't just pray for the people who do good for you. Pray for the people who wrong you, who despitefully treat you, who persecute you, who try to harm you. They're the ones you need to pray for. It's easy for me to pray for you folks sitting here. You love me. Well, most of you do. I picked out, no, <laughs> I won't even say that. No, you do. You love me. It's easy for me to pray for you. I pray for you. But I'll tell you what, there are some folks that it's harder for me to pray for than it is for me to pray for you. I find it a whole lot easier to pray for you than I do to find, that I find it to pray for certain other people that I know. And every now and then I'll be led of the Lord to pray for somebody and I don't want to do it. But after a while, 
gets in my heart and I know it's the right thing and I go ahead and pray for them anyway. I might, be not, I might not want to do it while I'm doing it. See, I'm honest enough to tell you that I'm just like you are. But I know that when you do the right thing, when you practice God's Word, especially when you do it in the love of God, in the presence of the Word and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, I know that God honors that. God honors you when you honor His Word. God honors you when you honor His Word. That's why it's so important to do the things that God tells us to do. I'm not going to get off on tithing. But if you want to do what God tells you to do, you better find out all He wants you to do, and you better start doing it, friend, if you want God to be your champion. You want God to be your champion. You want God to be your defender. You want Him to be your shield. You want Him to provide you with the sword of life and the Spirit. You better do what God has told you in His Word to do. And there's more than one thing. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Here's another thing. You know, somebody told me this on the telephone the other day. And I said, I know it. I didn't say I'd do it. I said, I know it. <laughs> they didn't quote the scripture. They quoted, they said what the scripture says without quoting it. But here's what it says. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Now listen to this part. For kings and all who are in high positions. Oh, you know what that means? That means there's some leaders you need to be praying for that you don't like. I know you don't like them. Why would you? <laughs> what on earth would make you like some of them? The fact that they look good. Well, or that they look bad and you feel sorry for them, whatever. But the Bible says we are to pray. For all those who are in high positions, people in authority, we're to pray for them. So, that means the mayor. I don't know the mayor here. I'd like to meet him. Maybe it's not even a he. I'd like to meet him. So, if you know the mayor, take me down and introduce me to him sometime. We do have a mayor in Orange Park, don't we? Or is it a... Sometimes it's another name. So, I'd like to meet the mayor and the town manager... And tell them that I pray for them. I don't pray for them all the time, but, but occasionally I do. And it says the reason we're to do this is so that we can lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, Paul said, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. <laughs> I tell you, when I start going on up the chain of praying for people, sometimes it just gets harder and harder. Because the higher up I go, the more I know about them. Sometimes the more I know about them, the harder it is to pray for them. But I know it's the right thing to do. And I know that when we do the right thing, that when we do what God's Word teaches and tells us to do, that there's one thing God must do, and that is honor us because we've done what He said to do. 
whether we like it or not. So the people that you really hope, yeah, let me, I was starting to say that <laughs> you don't hope they'll die. You just hope they'll disappear and go away and never be heard from again. <laughs> but whoever that may be. But you must pray for them. You must pray for them. If you don't, you're not doing what God said do. I told you some of you wouldn't agree with all this. Because I know some of you right now saying, well, God help him, God bless him. That's all, that's all, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> bless him, God. That's all I'm going to say. And you put that name in there, and you stumble over it, and you choke over it, and you spit over it, and <laughs> bless him, God. <laughs> but you know, God has always used ungodly people to bless the godly. I, 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 now, I'm not saying that all ungodly people bless you. I better, I better make that clear in case I left that impression. I'm not saying that all ungodly people bless you. I'm not saying that everybody that's ungodly is going to be a blessing. I'm not suggesting that. I'm saying that there are ungodly people that God chooses. People that you don't think are chosen of God, but they are because they're in a position that God put them there. The Bible says God puts people in position of authority. Now, I don't profess to understand why God does that. But I do know that it's true. And if you follow God's word, you know that it's true as well. And so, God doesn't use every ungodly person to bless all the godly people. But God is not limited to blessing us by what godly people do for us. He will cause the ungodly to show us favor when they don't even know what they're doing or why they're doing it. Okay, I'm going to go on to my next point because there's just a lot of things I'd like to say, but I'm going to save them to the, to the time I preach on my endorsement for people in the, in the upcoming election. So, so don't, don't make any assumptions about that now. You make all these assumptions today, you're, making, and you, you're going to be wrong about it. But, but listen to this. This is what happened now. Remember... Remember when Daniel was called in, and there's, there's, I'm going to go through this real quickly now, assuming that most of you know this. When Daniel was called into Belshazzar's feast, and they had words that appeared on the wall, written by the finger of God, really, and they didn't know what it meant, and they were trying to figure out what it meant, and they found a man who could interpret it, and they went and got somebody, and it was Daniel. They brought him in there, and Daniel said, I will tell you what it means. Uh, you don't want to hear it. Like I said at the beginning of this, you may not want to hear it, but it's true nevertheless, I'm going to tell you. And he said, if you want to hear it, I'll tell you. They said, tell us. He said, all right, it says, you are weighed in the balances and found wanting. And God had judged them. So that very night, Cyrus came in and overthrew their kingdom. And Cyrus became the king of Babylon. And then he expanded his kingdom beyond that. Here's what happened. Cyrus was not a godly king. He wasn't, he, he wasn't a Jew. He wasn't a follower of Jehovah. He wasn't somebody who knew uh, the word of the promises of God at all. 
He, he was never known to be that. But when he came in, God put him there so that he could show the Jews favor. It was time for them to be returned to their homeland. They were to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And that was the beginning of it when Cyrus came into power. And Cyrus moved favorably upon those people that he sent back and allowed to go back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and rebuild the temple of the worship of God. This is what the scripture says. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the prophet had already said this was going to happen. He just didn't, sit, didn't say who it was going to be who did it. He said it was going to happen. Here's what happened. The scripture says, The Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia. The Lord moves upon the hearts of ungodly people. God does things in the lives, in the minds, in the hearts, in the spirits of ungodly people, and they don't know that it's God who's doing it. Cyrus never said, I'm calling the people and sending them back to do this because their God has told me to do it. He didn't know God had told him to do it. He just thought it was a good thing politically to do, and so he acted on that. But what really was happening was God was moving in his heart to cause it to come to pass because Jeremiah had prophesied it long before, and now he was going to fulfill that by working through an ungodly person to bring great blessings upon the godly, upon his people who had now come back to serving him and yielding in obedience to him. And that's what God does, my friends. That's what God does. That's what God does in this country today. When you don't know that there are things happening that will bless you, there are people in positions who are causing blessings to come to you. As hard as it is sometimes to see them, it's still true. God is causing people who are ungodly to come with blessings for you. I, 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 I left this out of my notes. I put it in, then I took it out. Well, I may say that at the end. I'll think about that as I go along here. <laughs> and I may not. <laughs> Believe me when I tell you, because the Scripture says it, that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous. Now that doesn't mean God's going to help you go out and steal it out of their bank account. Just because you can work a computer doesn't mean that you can find out somebody that you know is godless and get hold of their information and take it out of their bank account and move it to yours. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying when they don't know it, and you and I don't know it, God has a storehouse that sinners are filling up. They don't know anything about this storehouse. They don't realize it. But God is causing the wealth of the ungodly to be put aside for the godly. And in God's plan, in God's time, in God's economy, there's going to be an insurance claim that nobody expected that's going to be massive, that'll come through. I'm prophesying to you right now that you're going to find God's going to challenge you with a great blessing and ask you what you're going to do for Him. There's going to be a job that opens up for you. You're going to have an opportunity to take that job. It won't be exactly what you thought it was going to be, but it's going to come for you. You're going to have to make a decision about it. 
And if you choose to do it as God leads you to do it, it's going to provide great blessing and abundant provision for you beyond anything that you'd expected before. There's going to be somebody come to you with a proposal, with an idea, and the first thing that you think about that idea is that's a stupid thing, it'll never work. Who would ever think that that would work? And if you believe that, you'll miss it. But if you listen to God, that idea, that concept, that thought that person has, that shares with you and wants you to become a part of it, will become a reality. And out of that, God will begin to flourish and provide for you blessings and honor you with abundance like you've never had before. Because the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous. Who would have ever thought, who would have ever thought, I read this not too long ago, who would have ever thought that somebody would come up with the idea for, uh, see, I'm wearing a nice shoe, and it's old. Don't think I went out and bought it for today. It's old. Most of my shoes are old. You know, I, I just keep having them half-sold and rehealed, half-sold and rehealed. Just keep on and on and on. Some of these are as old as some people sitting here. But, but, but that's a digression. But who would have thought, who would have thought that some young, young girl had an, would have an idea about a thong, a thong, shoe, shoe, uh, <laughs> what is it that goes on the foot? Is <laughs> flip. <laughs> I would have thought she'd had an idea about a thumb. I wouldn't have thought she had an idea about a flip flop. <laughs> anyway, she <laughs> she had an idea about this flip flop, and it and 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 you could make and you could change certain parts of it. You 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 use the base of it and you could change the colors on it and if somebody if she'd come to me and told me that and asked me if I wanted to invest in that I'd have said thank you very much God bless you on your way you know in about in about two years time she's turned that into a three million dollar business I don't know where you buy them I, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen one but I read about it I read that, that, that she started selling, and first her friends really liked it, and she made them for her friends. Then her family saw them, and her family liked it. She made them for her friends. And then they said, let us pay you something for it. And then they started telling other people about it. And so they said, well, let us buy them from you. So she set up a little Internet business and started selling them on the Internet. And the next thing you know, she had a $3 million business. And this was probably about several months ago. It may be 5 or $6 million now for all I know. I wouldn't have jumped at that idea. Unless the Spirit of God quickened it somehow in my heart. I'm just, I'm trying to tell you, friends, that there'll be things that come along that you don't expect. It's not what you think it's going to be. And then somebody's going to give you, some, this idea is going to come. And it's going to be, if you follow it as and hear from the Lord. Hear, I'm not, just because somebody comes down with some weird idea, don't say pastors have for me to jump in there and do that. I'm telling you to follow the Lord. 
But the Lord will put ideas in front of you. He'll put plans and concepts in front of you that you never would have thought of. And when that comes before you, if you will act on it and step into it and do what God is leading you to do, there are abundant blessings that God has because God has laid up the wealth of the sinners for the righteous. Because God uses the ungodly to bless the godly. The sinner's wealth is weighed up for the righteous. Now, I, uh, I'm going to tell you this story. I, I, I have to tell you this story. I know what time it is, but you, every, every time I mention time, about five or six people come and say, don't worry about the time, Pastor. Just keep on preaching. All right, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so this, one of, my, one of the men that I most admire is a man who's now gone on to be with the Lord just recently, a few years ago, Oral Roberts. I, I always admired Brother Roberts as well as Billy Graham because in such high positions of prominence, there was never scandal attached to them. Controversy, yes, but never scandal. I've always, I've always admired that. I felt they were both true to their calling. People opposed them but they can never bring scandal against them. They didn't find it. So, so in the early days, I, I, I've, I've read Oral Roberts' autobiography, and he's written, more, written it more than one time. I've, writ, I've read it several times. I've read other people who've written biographies about him. And uh, this is one of my favorite stories about Oral Roberts. In the early days, while he was still pastoring a little Pentecostal church in Enid, Oklahoma, that had about 150, 75 people in it. God was dealing with his heart in a mighty way. And finally, it was at that church that God really called him into a great worldwide deliverance ministry, and he started it right there in Needed, Oklahoma, where he was the pastor of that church. But just before that, as he was praying and seeking God, he was driving an old Chevrolet car that was kind of beat up and worn out and one day he said he was coming home, and it was a, it was a promotion for him because up, up to this time he had gone off in revivals. He'd had to hitchhike to his revivals. True. But now he had this little old Chevrolet car, and it was kind of beat up and running. He couldn't afford to keep it repaired. He was driving home one night in a parsonage that his church had just bought for him. Uh, uh, miraculously, his little old church had bought a parsonage for him and his family. They were so thrilled about it in the good neighborhood. And he was driving home to this parson. They just moved into it, driving home in his old beat-up Chevrolet. And he pulled up to, pull up to the curb uh, to park. And there was a very nice car parked there. And his brakes were so bad they wouldn't stop. He couldn't stop the car. And his Chevrolet, his old beat-up Chevrolet, plowed right back into the end of that very nice car. And he said, oh, no. After all the blessings that God has given me, he's given us this house. Now, look, I've, I've damaged somebody's car. He got out and he walked up to the door of the house the car was parked in front of and knocked on the door and a man came to the door and he said, Sir, I'm your new neighbor. I'm Oral Roberts, the pastor of this little church over here. Oh, yes, Mr. Roberts, I've been wanting to meet you. He said, well, he said, no, I don't know about now wanting to because he said, I just ran into the back of your car and damaged it. He said, but if you'll get an estimate on the repair of it, I promise you I will pay for the repair of your car. And he said, oh, why did you even come to tell me about it? He didn't even know how bad it was. He just telling him that. He said, why would you come to tell me about it? He said, if you, all you had to do was back out and go around, and I would have never known who hit it. 
And Oral Roberts said, I know that's true, sir, but I would have known. And while he's telling him again, go get an estimate. Now, he said the man just kind of turned around and walked away and closed the door. Almost like he'd have been insulted that he said that. But he said, well, he'll, he'll, he'll let me know. So he went on to his house, got over there. Some few days later, he was out in his backyard mowing his lawn. And he heard someone call out to him over their back fence. Hey, neighbor. Looks like you're finally getting that lawn mowed. And Oral said, he looked up and said, Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, I sure did. My wife finally got me to do this and said, I've got to do it if I'm going to come home anymore. So I'm doing, they were kind of jostling back and forth, you know. And the man said, You know, he said, uh, I'd like to, uh, uh, he said, I, I've been wanting to talk to you about that car. He said, and Oral thought he meant his car had been damaged. He said, it, that's your car that sits out in front of your house, isn't it? That, that kind of old, old little old Chevy. And Oral said, yes, sir, that's mine. And the man said, well, not much of a car, is it? <laughs> and he said, no, sir, it's not much of a car. He said, well, I've been thinking about talking to you about that. He said, come on down to my office in the morning about 9 o'clock, and I want to talk to you about it. Well, Oral thought he meant to come down there. You know what he thought. He, he had him come down there for but he got his address, and he went down there the next morning to talk with him. The man's name was Gustavus something. I don't think that uh, Oral gave his last name in the, in the story, but, but uh, they called him, in the town they called him Mr. Gus. So Oral went down there, and Mr. Gus talked to him a little bit about the card. He said, now, he said, now I guess you didn't know, or did you know, that I'm the Buick dealer here in Enid. And Oral said, no, I didn't know that you were a car dealer. Because he wasn't at the car lot. He was at a separate office. He said, I didn't know that you were a car dealer. He said, yeah, I, I, I am. And he said, you know, I've been looking at that old car of yours out there sitting out there in front of your house. And he said, I just think somebody ought to do something about that thing. And I'm going to help you. He said, if you'll come down to my dealership tomorrow morning, drive your car down there. He said, I'll take your old car and I'll sell it for as much as I can sell it for. And then I will sell you the Buick that you want, whichever Buick you want. I'll sell it to you at my cost, and I'll help you to finance the difference. So Earl walked out of there. He was just overjoyed because back in those days, you know, preachers couldn't drive Cadillacs <laughs> unless they wanted to be ridden out of town. You know. And the Mercedes was out of nobody. Even Preachers didn't know how to say Mercedes. They thought it was Mercedes. They didn't ever heard this guy. So, they didn't, they didn't, so all they knew, Buicks and Oldsmobiles were the preacher's cars of choice. And Oral said he walked away from there and said, I'm going to have a Buick. That's, if anybody had asked me what I wanted as much as anything I could ever have, it would be a Buick. I'm going to have a Buick. So he said he drove his car down there the next morning to Mr. Gus's dealership. And uh, he took his car and gave him something to drive in the meantime. And he said, the next time he called him, he called him in there and he said, Now look, I've sold, your, I've sold your car. And this is the one that you picked out. And your car brought this much. Oral said there was no way in the world anybody would have paid that much for that car. No way anybody would have paid that much as that, that he said for that car. And then he said, I'm going to sell you this car for this much. And it was only like a few hundred dollars difference. Just a very small difference. He couldn't believe how little difference there was. And he said, as he sat there with Mr. Gus that day, he said, 
he, he said, Mr. Gus said to him, Reverend Roberts, ever since you hit the back of my car, I couldn't get it out of my mind that I was supposed to do something to help you. Now, I'm not a Christian. This is what his words stood. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a member of anybody's church. But I see great things that God is going to do for you. You're not going to stay in this little town. God has a greater thing for you that he's leading you to. And I want to help you. And so, pick the car that you want. I'm going to make it possible for you to get it. Now, here's a man who wasn't a Christian, who was met under not pleasant circumstances. He plowed into the back of his car. But he did the right thing. He went up and told him what had happened. He said, I will pay for it. And somehow, out of all of that, God started doing something in that man's heart that he couldn't get away from by his own words. He said, ever since you came to my door telling me that you'd run into the back of my car, I can't get away from the idea that I'm supposed to do something to help you. And I will tell you why. Because the wealth of the sinners is laid up for the righteous. <laughs> because God uses the ungodly to bless the godly. Because God has something in store for you that's beyond anything you've ever imagined up to this point. Because God has a plan for you that's greater. It's greater than any plan you've ever made for yourself. Because God is going to honor you above your due, above your pay grade, so to speak, above your own level, and lift you up and take you into a place where you've never been before. Because God has victory for you, and God has honor for you, and God has favor that He's ready to shower upon you and do things in your life that you would never imagined could have happened. I said some of you won't believe. I started out telling you some of you won't believe what I'm going to preach this morning. And some of you don't believe what I just said. That's up to you. You don't have to believe it. I can't believe it for you, but I'm going to believe it for me. <laughs> I'm going to believe it for me. Hallelujah. I want to share with you something the Lord has given me. I kept thinking I would. Stand with me, please. Stand with me, please. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. For you. I don't, I don't pick nor choose anybody that this is for. It may be for everybody here, although I doubt it, but it is certainly here for someone. And this is the word of the Lord. I will vindicate you, my child. I will raise you up with truth. I will bring you forth with justice. I'm going to accept that for me too. I will raise you up with truth. I will bring you forth with justice. I will vindicate you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.